BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am divorced, not dead. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said. Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves for the happily ever after? Does our love story really have to be one great lengthy novel? Or can we be happy with a book of short but exciting love stories? I guess we'll find out on Divorce Not Dead. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey. So buckle up. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. For starters, I just love your vibe. You're so chill, so unbothered. Would you agree with that? And I'm envious because if it's not obvious, I just radiate on a completely wired frequency. That is so nice. And I might have to like record that and play it for my husband on a loop that somebody thinks I'm chill. I don't think I'm chill, but I, I'll take it. You don't think you're chill, really? No, like I think I think I'm chill. I think I think it kind of depends on like I think I I know how to come off chill, but I'm I'm fucking crazy. Like interesting. I think we, I think we all kind of are. It's all about perception then. It it really is. It really is. So what is it like for you to like turn on? Do you, would you say you feel like you have kind of two versions of yourself because I definitely struggle with feeling like I have an on switch and mm. then knowing my off switch? Honestly, I think I'm kind of always the same. Like I'm always, I'm always on, which maybe is probably why I don't think I'm that chill. But you know what? I'm going to go with the fact that I am chill. I think I've done so much work on myself and like I'm 32 and I unbothered is exactly what I'm going for. Like I have just realized that the only person I can control is myself. So it's just much easier to just like coast and not, not get annoyed by things, you know? 
preach. And that's probably why so many people love you and you have such a loyal following and podcast audience. And I'm hyped to have you because relationships and toxic relationships and tips like that's not something I've ever really dove into on real pod specifically. And I think you're the perfect person to do it with. And I was curious what made you so interested in these conversations and has you passionate about helping other people in relationships? Thank you. Yeah. And, and we talked briefly about how you had been in a toxic relationship and how I've been in toxic relationships on We Met at Acme. And I'm, I'm curious, even though it's your podcast to, to talk about that a little bit, but what got me into it, I am to this day such a curious person and I'm so fascinated by other people's relationships and dating history and how they met and how they keep it interesting. And I was a little bit boy crazy growing up. I went to an all girls school and I was like, boys were like the hidden fruit. And I was definitely that girl who like always had a boyfriend but always had like the worst boyfriend ever who like everyone knew was like cheating on her except for her, you know? And it took me a long time to learn the lessons. Like I had to date a very similar guy over and over again to learn. And I never got discouraged. Like I never, ever was like, everyone's just going to hurt me. Everyone's just, I'm not going to date. I'm going to, you know, I, I did put my walls up, but I really always dusted myself off and got back on the horse. And that was like a quality about myself I had really liked. And I was like, I want to talk about dating in New York specifically because I had just been dumped on my 27th birthday. And that's kind of how the podcast really came to be because I was like, I'm about to get right back into it. I'm going to date again. I don't care. You're going to break up with me on my birthday. That's fine. I want to get back into it. And I want to kind of document my dating. And that's how Women Act Me started. And that's really just because of that curiosity and that like ability to get back on. When you say you dated the same guy, what were those traits? Like, what was it that you were attracted to? I think it was like, I used to have this theory that you can only choose one. Like the guy who's the life of the party, but he cheats on you. The guy who, and by the way, like obviously now, to the, like today. It's such a, a serious topic, theory. but it's also so no. fucking hilarious. <laughs> it, it is. You have to laugh. The life of the party, but he cheats on you a boring dude, but like he, you know, is loyal to you because like you are his entertainment, right? Like he's, uh, he has no edge, but you are his edge. Gosh, that is such a type. That is such a guy. Right. I know right? those people. And, and then the third is like ugly. So like they don't cheat on you, but I, I hate, I hate to say ugly because like that's so subjective, but like right. just genuinely I unattractive to you, you are not attracted to them. But but they're like obsessed with you and you're their world. So like they're not going to cheat and they'll be loyal and whatever. And so those are like the three that you can choose. And as I actually guess, guess what I chose over and over again. Life of the party cheats on you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the only thing I wanted was a guy who was wanted by every single person. That's so funny because I never wanted to go for the really, really like hottest guy. Of course, like, you know, when there was like the hottest guy in high school, I mean, like, of course you're attracted to them. And if they like you back, that'd be awesome. But I was way more into, weirdly enough, the guy, and this is nothing like Max, and I'm sure your husband's nothing like the toxic guys you've dated, but I was always into the like more sly, witty type, like doesn't let you know they like you at all, at 
all until they give you maybe like one little flirty remark that you cling to for like a week. <laughs> and then you just really and everyone's like, this person, like, why are you into this person? And I'm just like, I don't know. They have this like mental hold on me in the way that they like. Wait, are you watching Tell Me Lies on Hulu? Of course, but I haven't seen the finale yet, so not a word. I won't say a thing, but that main character reminds me so much of like the, the toxic relationship that I had because just like not attractive, but like has this way to them that's that is attractive. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think I think every single person watching Tell Me Lies has like some form of PTSD from watching that relationship unfold. Like he, the character's name is Steven, which is annoying because that's my husband's name, but he, Steven has like so many qualities in that show or like does so many things that like have been done to someone in some form. Like even just like the, you know, going so hard for someone, but like also going so hard for someone else at the same time, like at the beginning when he was, you know, with the two women and like, that's so it's it's so triggering, like trigger warning if you're watching Tell Me Lies. And you know what's interesting about the term toxic relationships is I kind of when I say, oh, I was in a toxic relationship, I feel this part of me that's like, mm, were you really like, you know, the same mm. way people say, oh, I'm depressed or I'm anxious or I need disorder. And they struggle with that, like inner voice that tries to convince them they didn't and it wasn't that bad. And they're complaining but then I'm like, mm, he literally called me the C word. So I'd say that's yeah, toxic. Yeah, it's like, literally like, <laughs> it's like feeling imposter syndrome for something that you actually went through. Right. But you're like, wait, did I? Like, I'm gaslighting myself. I am so glad that Cozy Earth sponsors this podcast because when I tell you I'm a fan of Cozy Earth, I am not messing around. Exhibit one, Cozy Earth PJs were what I literally slept in the night before my wedding wore all day of my wedding morning and were what I gifted to my bridesmaids to wear my wedding morning. So those pajamas are quite literally my favorite pajamas ever because I literally wore them on my wedding day. And secondly, Max and I sleep on Cozy Earth's bedding every single night. And if those two weren't reason enough, Oprah named Cozy Earth as one of her favorite things in 2018. It was their best-selling bamboo sheet set, which is temperature regulating and incredibly soft. This is actually the one that Max and I have, and it is so, so soft, like soft to the touch. I was actually upset that it took me so long to discover Cozy Earth because I had wasted all this money on these really expensive sheets from these like name brands. And then Cozy Earth sent me some sheets. I was like, wait, you have to be kidding me. And now I tell everyone near and far about everything Cozy Earth because their stuff is truly the best. Cozy Earth is providing an exclusive offer for RealPod listeners today, which is 35% off site-wide. So literally anything you get at Cozy Earth, 35% off today when you use the code RealPod. That's all caps, RealPod, on the Cozy Earth website to get 35% off site-wide. Don't walk, run, the PJs, the bedding, truly everything, you got to check it out. That's code RealPod to get 35% off site-wide at Cozy Earth. Okay, if you're ever feeling tired, achy, you have headaches, you're losing energy, and you're just like, I wish I could drink something that would make me feel like a million bucks again. I am not kidding you when I say that Element does that. At least it does it for me and all of my friends I forced to try it who are now also obsessed. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix which contains a science-backed 
electrolyte ratio. And Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs. My favorite flavor is raspberry. My second favorite flavor is orange, but all of the flavors are so amazing. And I literally feel the difference. Like after my first few sips, it can help prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. Now look, when you sweat, okay, so if you're working out a lot, the primary electrolyte lost is sodium. Athletes especially can lose up to seven grams per day. And when sodium is not replaced, it's common to experience muscle cramps and fatigue. I wish I had Element back when I was playing college volleyball because it would have come in so handy and it still comes in handy now. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. So that's eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors. So get yours at drinkelement.com slash realpod. This deal is available only through the RealPod link. You must go to drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash realpod. That's drinkelement, L-M-N-T dot com slash real pod. So you shared with me that you've had a variety of toxic relationships. What would you say is like the most toxic? And can you describe us your rock bottom? Oh, yes. Rock bottom with relationships or rock bottom with like sobriety? Because There's a lot of rock bottoms here, honey. I want all the rock bottoms, babe. We've got time. <laughs> we are just getting started. Okay. To- most toxic relationship was it's like such a combo of so many, but one where I was dating a younger guy and I was, I was out of college already. I was like my first year out of college and I was dating this guy two years younger who was still at our school and he was abroad. And I was dating a guy who was abroad, who was a junior in college. Isn't it funny when you're an adult and you think of these scenarios and you're like, there's no way that works. But when you're in the situation, you're like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, we're in love. (laughs) Exactly. Like the delusion is insane. (laughs) And I don't know, I I didn't really think he was loyal, but like, I was like, maybe he is. I don't know. We're talking all the time. And he obviously wasn't. And he was abroad in Barcelona. And I was like, oh, let me, you know, like we were talking about me visiting him. And he was like, why don't we meet like in London or something? And that red flag number one, because I was like, why can't I just like see where you live? Because <laughs> no one, uh, no one who lives with probably knows you exist. <laughs> exactly. And, well, you'll see. And so then, but there was like this girl and like, we have the best, women have the best intuition. Like I can literally see a picture of a girl. And this was like more when I was dating someone toxic than today, but I could see a picture of a girl and know that like my boyfriend's going to be into that girl, you know, like, especially, you know, back in the day when you have like a not trustworthy boyfriend. And I had seen a picture of a girl that he was abroad with. And I was like, they're going to hook up. Like, I know it. This is his type. They're going to hook up if they haven't already. Right. And then I was like, but nothing, you know, I I can't like, I, I have no proof. And then she commented on one of his photos like a week later. And I was like, okay, it's already happening. And I <laughs> like, it's, it's so on, but again, no proof. And so then I, I really do go and I meet him in London. Okay. And we're, we're meeting in London and I could just tell something was off. Like we hadn't seen each other in so long. And like, after we had sex, he was like on his phone and I was, but like, that wasn't like a common thing back then, you know, this was like, you know, 2013 and like, there wasn't really anything to see on the phones. And I was like, what the fuck? And so I like kind of looked over and he was texting her (gasps) and I was like, what? And then we had this like horrible fight and like we were fighting over his phone. And then I had to 
kick him out of my hotel room in London where like neither of us lived. I had to call security to have him leave like the premises. It was crazy because I was like worried he was going to come back and like be aggressive. It was it was wild. So why? Because he gave aggressive vibes. Once we started fighting over the phone, it was like he was just begging like for my forgiveness, but in an aggressive way, you know, and I was like, there's no forgiveness happening. Like you literally had me fly out to London and you have a girlfriend in Barcelona, like goodbye. And it was wild. Did you ever have a toxic ex tell you if you broke up with him or you left him that he would like hurt himself or he would, you know, take measures if you weren't with him? Thank God I didn't. But I will say that was just one of like four very toxic exes that I have. Like the stories are endless. But yeah, so that was that was bad. And then I would say like a rock bottom for relationships. And this one actually isn't that rock bottomy, but I'm going to use this because maybe it'll help someone else is being like dating someone genuinely making someone your boyfriend or being someone's girlfriend because they like you. Like I just, I did that at one point. I think I hit 25 and I was like, I'm old. Like I gotta, I gotta, you know, I'm done. I'm done here. My eggs are drying. Like this was a delusional thought because, you know, I ended up meeting my husband at 29, but I was like, I I'm done. I, I just got to be with this guy who's like, liked me for a few years, you know, cause like he likes me. And that's like really a rock bottom. That is the definition of settling. So what about your sobriety journey? Because I'm definitely super interested in that. I love sober people. I just think they're awesome and they they have a story. I have like mad, mad respect for anyone sober. Thank you. Yeah. Sober people are so cool. I like to think of it as sober people have special powers and like everyone else is like a muggle, as they say. I, my rock bottom sober story is I used to smoke a lot of weed, like not just like I'm that cool girl who knows how to roll a joint weed more so like I am never not high anytime you've ever seen me I've been high Mm. and that was like for 13 years which is wild and so it was like from when I was 17 to like I'm really bad at math but like to 20 28 was when I got sober and I needed it to function like I needed to smoke weed to eat to sleep to get to like a baseline of like I'm not going to be a bitch today to not be irritable And it got to a point where I was like, this is really not healthy, but like no one thinks that weed is addictive. So like, what am I supposed to do about it? Nothing. And then like, obviously my relationship with alcohol wasn't great either. I started being obsessed with like chocolate shrooms, which again are really popular now. And I just like, didn't, I didn't feel comfortable having like one drink or not. Like if I was going to go out, I needed to be like blacked out. There was no like one drink, like I'm tipsy, woohoo, like. It was just just no middle ground. And Mm -hmm. so I think one morning I woke up and like weed had ruined a lot of my relationships. And and one morning I woke up and I was like, I don't want to smoke weed today. And then like smoked weed like 10 minutes later. And I remember I messaged a friend who was like in a sober program. And I was like, hey, like, is there anything for weed? And she was like, actually, there is. And there's a meeting in five minutes. So like, you should go. It's five minutes from your apartment. And I was like, okay, that's like weirdly aligned. Fine. And I ended up going to the meeting and I've been sober ever since. I actually am celebrating my four years of sobriety in like three days. Oh my gosh. Early congratulations. And that's, it, would you say that that is an outlier story that you had this 
oh, I want to do this thing. You went to the meeting and have been sober ever since. I feel like when I hear stories, it's like denial. Someone has told them to go. They don't want to. The fact that there was a meeting and you had to decide right then and there, am I going to go today and then have to say this to people? I mean, why do you think you didn't have any of maybe that outward shame or did you in different ways? Oh, I definitely did. There were so many it's like when you get dumped and you're like, this was out of nowhere. And then you just think for two seconds and you're like, oh, there was 5,000 signs. Like there were so many people in my life that were like, can you stop smoking? You smoking is making me not able to be your friend. Can you not smoke in my apartment? Like, you know, some friend being like, I stopped smoking and I feel great. You know, like all these signs of Got people it. trying to get mm-hmm. to me and me just like not hearing it until I was able. And that's the thing with sobriety it has to come from you. If it doesn't come from you, you're not going to stay sober. Like if you send your friend to rehab, they're going to go to rehab and then they're going to come out and they're going to do whatever the fuck they want. Like it has to come from them wanting to go. Right. And is your husband sober? He's not, but he is just like not a big drinker, partier. Like he doesn't drink at all in the home. Not for any, like I wouldn't care, you know, but Mm -hmm. he just doesn't really care for it. Like when we go out, he'll drink. So how did getting sober co-align with your change in relationship patterns? Were they happening at the same time? When did you turn the page to stop going for Life of the Party Who Cheats? Well, it's funny because Life of the Party Who Cheats is also an alcoholic a lot of the time. And when I was, or like an addict in some way, right? Because like addicted to, you know, sex, addicted to this, addicted to that. And when I was not sober, I was dating guys who had like those issues too, but I didn't realize because I was just like, oh, I just, I would rather someone like look the other way while I just like smoke all the time. But the only person that looks the other way is like someone who's also doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Right. And so I was definitely going for people who like had drinking problems themselves or had, you know, cheating problems, sex problems, like those kinds of things without being cognizant of it. Did you have any like body image issues with smoking? Because I know that that is like everyone says you get the munchies and you you binge a Mm. lot when you're high. I've had some of my own experiences with that. And yeah, it's so funny that you ask that because you're going to be shocked by the answer, which is that in my like weed addiction, I was I had never been thinner or like, you know, whatever society makes you think is amazing. I couldn't eat when I wasn't smoking. So I was only eating when I was like high and like that would last for like an hour. So when I didn't have weed or when I was on vacation or this or that, I would lose rapid amounts of weight. So I was like, not like I I rewired my whole system where I literally wasn't hungry unless I was high. So like food was not going into my mouth unless I was recently had just smoked. And so I was actually the skinniest I'd ever been and the most unhealthy I had ever been when I was like in my weed addiction. And then I only started to have like a normal relationship with food, a normal palate once I quit. Wow. So you didn't have the traditional like eat the whole pantry when I'm high. It was just like, okay, I'll in get the beginning. my meal. Yeah, in the beginning, but then that fades. It's interesting you say that it fades because I in college would use weed. Actually, in college, I didn't smoke weed that much. I never used to like weed. I do enjoy it socially now. But in college, I would drink and then I would come home and eat 
everything in the pantry because it was like I was dieting all day. And so when you could finally go out and party, it's like I would purposely love to get drunk. And then the second that I was at peak drunkness, I don't care what time it is. If the party's over, I'm planning. Are we doing Panda Express? Are we doing Taco Bell? Are we doing McDonald's? Because like I want to indulge in all this food. So I think like alcohol and weed or any sort of substance, the relationship to like an eating disorder and a body image issue always fascinates me. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I feel like, I mean, that's like everyone's college experience, right? That's why like in toxic culture, they're like, oh, freshman 50. But the reality is that's because of drunk eating. Like everyone does it at the end of the night. My goal was like to drunk smoke a joint, but then I'd probably eat too. (laughs) Right, right. Support for our feet should not be slept on. And I actually have pretty flat feet. And that's why I'm so glad Vionic sponsors RealPod because Vionic has shoes that are not only super cute and trendy, but they are insanely comfortable because all of Vionic's shoes have their innovative Viomotion technology, which is a patent podiatrist designed footbed and it's built into every style. So when you literally step into the shoes, you can feel the contours. It's like a little hug for your feet. I just got the Relax slippers. They have over 1,500 reviews, four and a half out of five stars, which is unreal. I got them in the color tan because I wanted them to go with all my outfits, you know, hashtag VixFits. And I'm so excited about these because I find that when I'm walking around my house with no shoes on, my feet and arches have no support. So this is a slipper that actually does have support. Ever since I got the relaxed slippers, I've just felt that throughout my day, my feet are still getting that great support. Once again, they're called the relaxed slippers. Highly recommend. I got them in the color tan. Also, Vionic has a 30-day risk-free trial, which means there's no reason not to buy because wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. Head to www.vionicshoes.com and use code REALPOD at checkout for free shipping. That's www.vionicshoes.com using code REALPOD in all caps, one word at checkout. So how did you heal from your toxic relationships? People often say that it requires someone looking internally and realizing this is what I'm seeking. I'm not going to get it. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not satisfied. And like people often say you have to like heal or love yourself before you can love anyone else. So would you say the version of you that was having all those toxic relationships didn't love herself? I don't know if I didn't love myself. Well, I definitely didn't love myself. Like that was a fact, but more so because I was like, I hated my mind and my thoughts. And like, you know, again, like just pre-sobriety stuff, like trying to escape all the time from everything that I was feeling and thinking. But I think, you know, I think it was more about like being someone and being someone that I wanted, would have wanted to date. Like for so long in, in a lot of these toxic relationships, and this is why it was so hard to leave them was because I was like, well, I have this, this, and that too, you know? And it took me, it took me a long time to realize that I actually am not like too much or I'm not too this, or I'm not too this. I'm actually in a place where I should have an amazing partner and I don't. And because I, you know, have chosen this person over and over again, this type of person who is toxic. And I remember I had a therapist who I still see her to this day. And she was like, when you're choosing a partner, you choose someone who like you only want someone who dips a toe in 
to the relationship but like isn't fully in it mm-hmm. and I think part of why I was like choosing whoever I chose over and over again is because I wasn't ready for that like real safe secure relationship for a while why because the real safe secure relationship would require you to to go deep to be mm-hmm. honest yeah all of the above and what was it about that conversation that like you didn't want to have like were you struggling with anything that you didn't want to talk about with others i think just like not having healed from my like sober situation not having like looked within about like pain that I've been through, you know, everything. I just, I just wasn't ready to like be real, like to be real. Like I really wasn't. And I just didn't want anyone to get too close. I was just like comfortable with a wall up and I wanted to be like in the passenger seat. I didn't want to ever date anyone who like I liked more than them or vulnerability was really scary for me. And when you think about that thing that you're trying to bury or don't want to surface, what was it? Like pain from like rejection, anything in childhood? Like what was it that you were not wanting to speak? I think pain from rejection. Like that's really what it what it was. You know, Anytime I had had like a bad date where like it ended weird or they didn't call me or that like I would just smoke the pain away. And like upon becoming sober, like I had to face everything. And that was really scary for me because it was like years of things that I had suppressed. And a lot of it, yeah, was rejection. Like rejection really affects people more than they realize. Like I'll never forget a friend of mine had never been rejected. And then a few years ago, she was dumped. And she literally did a 180. Like she is a completely different person. She went through such a transformation. Like, and that really can happen to someone. I mean, if if you've never experienced rejection, like it is a huge transformative experience in a positive way, I think. Totally. And I really love what you said about the weed numbing the emotions. It's like you didn't have to feel them. You know, I think a lot of times when people do turn to something like that or like even in a comedic way, oh, a glass of wine on a Wednesday night, like it's to take the edge off. And what's what are you what edge are you taking off? And it's the stress of what you're going through in life or something that you're dealing with or how you feel about yourself. Like, did you ever struggle with like self-esteem? Definitely. I think a lot of me, like my sober life for the past four years has been like bringing back self-esteem and, and they say a lot in like sobriety, you know, self-esteem comes from doing esteemable acts. And that's really just like holding yourself accountable, being a good friend, being a good daughter, being a good sister, being a good partner and showing up for people in your life. And, and you know, the whole experience of sobriety has definitely shaped me in so many ways. Like people rely on me for their life. That is insane. That's wild. Like I have gotten people to stay sober and supported them through that. I have, you know, like really checked my ego at the door and had to like be of service to people in a way that I never thought I would. I had to apologize, make amends to people. 
that's so embarrassing, you know? Did you but do like, that thing in, I know they do it in AA where you have to go and say sorry to the people that you've affected mm-hmm. with yep. or without expecting them to say anything back. What was like the hardest apology you had to do? Oh my God. There was an ex that I, I threw up all over him one night <laughs> <gasps> and was just like a disaster with that guy. Like that was like probably the worst of my like weed, like, like withdrawal in like situation. And, and I was just like, I was a monster to this guy and I felt really bad about it. And I had to apologize to him. And he's like, not, he's just like a cool dude. You know, he, he wasn't a super toxic guy and it was just embarrassing. I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm just like sitting across from you. Right. You have this like, hi, so I feel, and he's like, I thanks. Like, good luck <laughs> literally well well funny enough he like kind of hit on me after that and I was like wow like all it took was for me to be normal and now he's into me and I don't even want him that's hilarious so what did you learn about yourself in going to therapy and inhaling and dealing with these hard things and getting through them I think just that like you know what a lot of people learn in therapy which is that like you can really you can get through anything without drugs and alcohol like if you just have the right resources if you surround yourself with the right people and if you do things that are good for your like mind body and soul and are not afraid to put yourself in situations that are vulnerable and like that was a long time coming but i'm so happy that i was able to learn that and did you have a checklist when you went back into the dating scene looking for your husband material person that you referred to to help steer you away from your habits? Or how did you like stay the path? Mm, Checklist? No, but list of like needs versus wants 100%. I think as I got older, I realized how important certain things were that I didn't realize were important before. Like even just a simple adjective, like warmth, like finding warmth in a partner was so important to me. Someone who you know, I could leave alone with my family and like, they'll just be good carrying a conversation, independent, you know, all of all of those things. And I think, again, like, as I got older, I didn't care about like religion and things like that. But the similarities that my husband and I share, like, really are huge tied to like, what makes us work. So, you know, as you get older, your priorities change. And, and those things changed a lot for me. Did you ever have a list? I never had a list, but I definitely relate to this idea of like what they need to be. Like even when you say warmth, I get it. I think safety, I think security, you know, there's so many things that come with that. And I think I didn't have a list, but I definitely had like a standard of what was someone that I wanted to like share my life with. I did meet Max very young. So fortunately that happened long before I had to really think about what my dream person would be. I do want to do some relationship advice questions with you because I think it'd be fun for us to kind of riff and maybe we'll have some different thoughts. But these are some of the popular questions sent in from the at RealPod Instagram account that I want to go through with you. So the first one is just is when you know, you know, a real thing. It is. It really is. I totally agree. It's like when you know, you know, and you get and you get it when you're in it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I used to hate it before I knew I was like, that's such bullshit because I always know and like I'm always wrong. No, like I didn't know. All the thought, like all the you thought you knew were not. Like you know, 
Totally. And, and I will say the caveat is it could come later. I knew Max for a whole year before I knew. But then when you do, you, you know. The second question is, when is the right time to get sexual? So I always say that the right time is when you feel like they know you and your personality. Because when, and it's just an unfortunate reality, if when you're seeing, like when you're a woman dating a man, and they don't know you at all and you sleep with them like there's no real reason for them to hang around like a lot of guys have and this isn't everyone but a lot of guys are like you know when after sex like things change for them in their mind and the wiring and scientifically and whatever and if they're not like already really attracted to your personality and who you are and know you then it might not go the way that you know, we want it to. And so I think when you feel like they know you, when you feel safe with them, if we're going to have to put a number on it, I would say six days or more. Yeah. What do you think? I think, you know, when you're ready, obviously, and you feel a hundred percent ready to do that. I will say though, I am a big believer that like, I think you just making them wait. I think there's so much to that. I don't think it ever goes against you because if you are making them wait and they get annoyed and irritated and they leave you, then there's your freaking answer. And if they don't and they're just no problem, whatever, and they never ask until you say you're ready, you have a winner and it's only going to like make the relationship better. Exactly. And it's way hotter for the (laughs) buildup. Okay. Thoughts on changing your last name? I wanted to ask you this too. I I feel similarly to you. Like if it's a great last name that you're super excited about, go for it. Um, <laughs> you're not excited I, about green? No, I love I love green. But I will say Lindsay Metzlar is a unique name. And Lindsay Green is every girl who lives in Long Island. And I don't know that I want to be less original. I want to be Mrs. Green. Like I want to be, you know, known as like Lindsay and Stephen Green, Mr. and Mrs. Green. But I think, especially because I come from a family of women. So the last name dies here. There's no other way that it continues. Like no male cousins with the last name at Solar. And I just love the name. And so for business, I don't believe in changing my last name. If you have like an outward facing you know, name for business, I don't think change it. But for personal, like when we get invited to weddings, you know, whatever, nameplates, Lindsey Green is fine. And I will probably change it officially, like when we have kids, but just not there yet. Yeah, I it makes sense. And I think it's literally to each their own. It's got to be what makes you feel good. It's your freaking identity. And I am at a place where I feel excited and I want it to be Victoria Brown. And when it's Garrick, I'm like, it's Brown. Like I like to change it. I didn't Mm. think I'd feel that way in the beginning. I was very against it. And then over time, I just really liked the sound of it. I loved the name. I wanted to be one with Max. I know if it sounds like anti-feminist, why didn't we both take Garrick? I think Brown is a better last name than Garrick. So if we picked him out of a hat, I would prefer Brown. But yeah, I think I think it's really to each their own. You have and I spent a whole year marinating on it. So, you know, I just can't express enough how everyone needs to take time and do what they want to do, not yeah. what they think that they should do. How to keep the spark alive. So I'm assuming this is coming from someone who's like in a long-term relationship. And so you probably actually have better advice than me on this since my husband and I have been together for like a little over three years. But I would say try to change up like the daily routine. 
somebody gave me this advice, like instead of going home and being like, or coming home and being like, how was your day, sweetie? Change up even that question. What's something that happened today that made you excited? Or like, what's, you know, anything else except for the boring, monotonous questions that you ask to each other over and over again. Stop having sex at the same time right before bed, you know, do something different than like maybe right when they get home from work, take their clothes off, whatever it is, surprise them a little bit, plan that next trip, have something to look forward to, to get excited about that new environment. And like do something different. Like my husband and I went to a magic show and it was so cool and so different and like interactive and different than just like a boring dinner or drinks. I love that. I especially love just changing the boring question. How is your day? Because it's it literally is such a vibe killer. And I say that like every night I should change that up to max. <sighs> I would add too. just I realized like when I work from home, I'm always wearing sweats and pajamas and I don't feel energetic in those clothes. I don't feel sexy. Like it doesn't kill me to put on a cute outfit during the day. And like it just little things like that, I think, change the vibe. Washing my hair in the morning, putting a little makeup on. I don't always wear makeup, but like even if you wear no makeup and you just throw on like lip gloss like and sunscreen, you just still feel like you put a tiny bit of a like a pep in your step, you know? Yeah, 100 percent. Okay, to play games or not to play games? Don't play games, play by the rules. Ooh, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> that means, so on We Met at Acne, we have like a set of rules, dating rules. It's on highlights if you're on our Instagram. You can listen to an episode. It's called The Complete and Total Guide to the Rules. <clears throat> and it's like little things. It's like, you know, no more than two drinks on a first date. It has some like, you know, wait to have sex kind of things, not to initiate text or necessarily respond unless it's a question. Like there's a set of rules and I think they're more for dating than for relationships, but you know, games are not necessary. I agree with you. And you said it on my podcast about like you and Max, like when you were first dating, you were like, you know, like I'm not mad, but like, and then later you, you know, don't play games as in like always be upfront about how you feel, always be direct for sure. But also like, don't be a doormat. I would say I really agree. I thought we were maybe going to disagree on this, but I agree with your like, there are some standard rules that I do think help in the beginning. Like just you do, you can't just be like, I mean, you could, but you could say like, hi, here's everything about me. And I really am into you. And I think this could be great. But I think more likely than not, that is maybe going to turn someone away because there is the element of when you're wondering, do they like me back? Is this going well? You're like, wait, I think I really like them. Like you have to give them the chance to marinate, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. And like everyone is gonna, like everyone can tell you whatever they want, but nobody likes when someone has all of their cards on the table when you first start seeing them. It's just not cute. Well, there's just like I, I think also if we do want people to be open and honest about who they are, there's levels. Like you go at level mm. one, then you go at level two, level three. But if you give them the entire movie at once, what is there to learn and the trust to build, you know? Right. And nothing. How to get out of a situation ship. Ooh, I think you just have to like stop talking to them. I don't think you owe them anything because it's a situation ship. Unless it's benefiting you and it's like a friend with benefits and you're, you know, an agreeing participant, just say bye. You know, you, that situation ship, you're calling it that because you know it's not going to go anywhere. Even it's if they really you. like them, what if they like them and they're like, how do we make it a relationship? 
then you have to say, you have to use an I statement and be like, Hey, I like you. I know that you're not looking for a relationship. So I'm going to have to end this. And if things change, like, you know, where to find me. I totally agree. Cause that's hot. Cause you're like standing your ground. You're like, I refuse to be in limbo with you anymore. I like you and I don't want to do that. So I yeah. What's coming to mind is all the classic excuses of, but we have such a good thing going on. I feel like the mm. labels are going to ruin it. And why would we rock what we have? Liar. Oh <laughs> Tell me lies, baby. <laughs> Throws chocolate at TV. Uh-huh. Advice for dating with not a lot of physical experience, which I think is more common than we know. People who haven't had a lot of experience, whether it's even like kissing, making out, mm. like, any anything I think it is common it's very there is this embarrassment for people not wanting to be honest about the fact that they haven't experienced those things I know I had a few friends who would just like get drunk and try to get a few things over with to get them over with which is kind of a bummer yeah that is a bummer I would say don't be afraid to ask them ask whoever you know you're with to do something better like I will be the first person to admit that like I'm not so great at giving head and like, I'm pretty aware of it. you got to be self-aware, you know? And when I got to that stage with my husband, I was like, okay, what do you like? Like, show me because I wanted to be better. And like, you want to be a good kisser. You want to be good at, you know, pleasuring your partner. So ask them what feels good and tell them to show you. And same with kissing, like be like, how do you like to kiss? Do you like a lot of tongue? Like, am I, doing this right if I'm bad tell me you know because that's like how you get better that's how you learn right I will say if someone is worried that it's going to make them seem like less attractive or less appealing to just like dissolve that thought because you want to be in a relationship where you're comfortable saying I've never done this I'm not sure about this or like maybe they say that they would like something and you're like I'm not comfortable with it I think it's funny that people are like how do I talk about this and I'm thinking you have to. That's how you have a sustainable relationship. Like if you think you're going to have a conversation with someone you're in a relationship with, no matter what it's about, and you are afraid that that conversation is going to ruin everything, then you don't have like a stable foundation to begin with. And those conversations are only going to make it better, you know? Agreed. And they probably find it endearing if they like you. They're probably like, oh, that's so cute that like they, they need my help. Okay. And then lastly, this came in and I, I did ask for juicy questions. It says, do you believe in threesomes? I love that. Of course. Yeah. Why not? The more the merrier. <laughs> really? How, is that, I mean, is I've that never really? had one. I've never had one. So like I'm a poser, but I <laughs> would, I would love to have one. I think it's so fun. Like the idea of it, it's, it's probably if anyone in my husband who's like, no, I'm not down, you know, really? or at least yet never say never. Interesting. You would think that it'd be the reverse if I'm playing I know. the gender well, roles. That's why assumptions are are the devil. What do you think of threesome? I couldn't just because I'm super, super, I mean, physical intimacy to me is a huge, huge, huge deal. It just always mm-hmm. has been. That's how I feel. I have friends who have, they do a lot. They've done a lot. And I'm like, go girl. I have no freaking shame. Like if they can do it, they can do it. I physically can't. So I know that like, Like, I'm so sensitive that if Max kissed another girl, like, I don't think I could ever get over that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, that's that's my Taurus. I'm loyal, 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 loyal. Yeah, I love that. Can go outside of the parameters of, like, yeah, that's how I feel. 
but I'm fascinated. So when that happens, give me a call. <laughs> oh, I will. I'll tell you all the story. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much. This was so much fun. And you're really such a breath of fresh air. And I love talking relationship with you and appreciate everything that you shared with us on RealPod. So thank thanks for you. coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.